Hello, and you're very welcome along to another edition of News Talks SSE, our Tristy League podcast. It's Richie McCormick with you, and as always, joined by my able sidekick. Whoa, whoa! Don't you mean co-presenter? Whatever, Fallout Boy. I wish we uh, planned these discussions because I would have had a much better answer. <laughs> probably why I'm the sidekick. You can probably no. Wait a minute, I'm not the sidekick. Yes, you are. You have the, yours. You see, you always have the ability uh, dropping the fourth wall as we always do to edit something in that'd be far more hilarious. That's true, actually. But it'd be in the style of... I hear that President Clinton is going to be watching with his wife, Hillary. That kind of thing. And you know what? That That's correct. That's the advantage of recording a podcast. You can drop stuff in afterwards. The bad thing is, is that we don't really get to react to reaction. So, for example, if this were radio, I would love to do a very original item about cures for your cold. Text us now on... 53106 don't text us by the way don't that will cost you money for no reason at all yeah. and you can tweet us depending on what time you're listening to this I'm guessing judging by the hits on the website it's mostly night owls and the lonely who listen to this podcast only the lonely yeah so you're just texting into I don't know a repeated George Hooks show which you know let's be honest is a waste of your money it absolutely is and he's jacking that show in anyway granted he's starting a new one but uh, you can tweet us now we can't respond to you in verbal form but you know if we're Really bored, and chances are, yeah, we are. And if we, you know, have no, I mean, we wouldn't be on. doing this podcast in the first place if we weren't bored with our lives. And God knows we're not doing it for the notoriety. So, you know, if you want to get in contact with us on Twitter, you can, as always, any pointers or any directions on the show or the podcast, you can tweet me at Richie McCormick or, or me at O'Sheen Langan. I don't want to come across as desperate, but please do tweet. Uh, interesting week in the league and indeed in Europe as well with, as we speak, Cork still to come. They have a case of racing Genk, have Cork in the Europa League. See what I did there. Uh, well, Dundalk, as we speak as well, went down 1-0 away to Bate Borisov in Belarus and Mikhail Gordechuk goal for the home side the difference between the sides after the first leg and if you're listening to the director's cut of this on Friday we'll talk about Cork City's good bad stroke and different result here thanks lads and now via the magic of podcasting is Daniel Kelly here with you looking back on Cork's 1-0 loss to Genk last night I'm, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by the former Cork City midfielder and Republic of Ireland international Joe Gamble Joe thanks very much for joining us yeah no problem a 1-0 loss against Genk for many teams may be seen as a disappointing result, but John Caulfield last night said he was disappointed, but in a positive way that Cork actually could have got something out of the game. And despite the loss, same with Dundalk, uh, same with Dundalk the night before, it was actually a very good performance by the side. I think it was an exceptional performance. I, um, watching the game, I didn't, to be honest, I couldn't, I couldn't believe to, to an extent to how, how good Cork City played. I mean, I watched them in the league and I think they were contrast team of the way they play in the league and the way they play in Europe I thought you know, the quality of position their, uh, their movement off the ball their overall performance I thought it was exceptional absolutely against the top game team I mean this is they're no pushovers you have I think you had nine internationals you had quality throughout the team and almost team, most people might say oh you know of course in the middle of the season no I mean Gang have been in pre-season as well than us you know it's not as if this is the first first game and you know first week back training so I think as a, as a whole, I think Coxley should be very proud and all the players and staff should be very proud. Great performance. Leon Bailey got the goal on the half hour and I suppose the most disappointing thing uh, from the goal was similarly to the game in Belarus with Dundalk and Bally Borisov. It actually came from a Cork City mistake and that that will annoy uh, Caulfield and I suppose the whole background team as well. Yeah, of course. But I mean, look, that's the difference in quality. That's when you go up that level or two, you can't afford a small mistake and really it was a small mistake. I think the ball came to Maguire he chested down for, I think, could have been beat. He got a bit of a mix-up. Who would take the ball? 
they came, they break on transition, great ball in the Bailey, and you know that's why Chelsea are looking at him, that's why other clubs are looking at him, and that's sort of quality, and that's the difference when you go up at that level too. You haven't got a chance in terms of making mistakes, and you're punished. So he was the Belgian young player of the year last year, and yeah, fr- yeah, from yeah. his performances last night, it certainly shows why. And you mentioned there Sean McGuire and Stephen Beattie, and they were two of the players who actually had some very decent chances along with Kevin O'Connor. That for people that didn't see the game and they might think uh, Cork had their backs to the wall, Cork had many chances in this game, and uh, Maguire especially probably should have equalised. Well, I thought Cork had a lot of good chances. Um, exactly, they weren't kind of sitting back deep and, and hanging on for a one. You know, just to bring back to Cork City, I think if anything, they were on the front foot, especially in the second half, where you could see even from the sideline, you could see John Carter getting a bit excited because he knew that they were on the front foot and they had a chance of scoring. And I think, to be honest, you look, some of the chances uh, that came, you know, I think a top striker would have done well to score. I think it would have been a bit harsh on Maguire, especially when through when he beat the defender and he's on his left leg, you know, he's not his favourite foot, he's, he's at a tight angle. If he scores that, for me, I would have been saying, well, you know, should he be playing at this level? He should be playing higher above. I think we're being a bit harsh on him. I think the chances were there, but they weren't easy chances. What's the difference between Cork this season and last season, especially in Europe? You've mentioned there how you think they're they're playing very differently in their in their league games compared to in Europe. Obviously, last year they lost to Kira Reykjavik, but this year with wins over Linfield and Hacken, and this is the longest run Cork have gone on in ten years in European competition. What do you think Caulfield has brought to the team this year that mightn't have been there last year? I think he's been brought real quality. To be honest, I think he's brought in top players like you know Greg Balls. I think to be honest, uh, yesterday's performance I thought he was unbelievable. It's had a composure on the ball. He's, he's willingness to get on the ball. He wasn't shocking, you know, in any any respect at all. You know, if you look through the middle of the spine of the team, you brought Kenny Brown, you brought Balls, you brought you brought Maguire. I mean, that's three good top players in this league. And the difference is those players can produce um, in the big games, and and that's the difference. I mean. They've changed the philosophy, I suppose, a little bit. Definitely when I've seen them in the league compared to what I saw in European games, the ability to retain possession is a, is a must. You cannot play against top teams and give the ball away needless because you're going to be running for 90 minutes and you are going to be punished. So I think they have players in their team. And Julie, I know he was probably, was he there last year maybe? Or did he come this year, I think. But again, I thought he, I was very impressed with him. Um, I think their individual ability to keep the ball was, a, I think, is a massive bonus to the team compared to last year and this year. And I know Greg Bulger's performances have been so good, he's even uh, taken the notice of Hacken. I saw Paul Dollery last night, the Cork journalist from the 42.e, right. who was at the game, said that Hacken have actually made a bid for Bulger on the back of his performances in the two games against the Swedish side. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised now, because, look, if you think of it right, these, these, um, these clubs like Sweden and, and you know, the, the lesser-known European clubs, they're looking to get bargains. Right, so they're looking at Irish, they're looking at um, Lithuania, maybe Eastern European leagues, and they're looking to get cheap players, and then they're looking to sell those, sell these players on. And that's where we are missing out. We don't have the force, and we probably don't have the finances to play against say, European competition, um, like the Hacken. And even when I played, we played Valor many years ago, and there was a right back, I think he, I forget his name, he played in the Swedish, uh, the Iceland national team, recently in European Championships. And I remember saying to Dame Richard at the time, we should sign this young player, very, very good player, could have got him for maybe 100,000 and then sell him on to England. But we don't have that foresight in our league. We don't have the finances to do that. And that's what Hacken are doing to Cork City. They're taking Greg Bulger. If they offer probably 200 grand, Cork City probably can't say no because they can't afford not to have that money. He goes to Sweden, has a great season. They might sell him on again. And that's the difference of the leagues and, and the power that bigger leagues have than us. 
Do you think that's a danger for the league now that where these impressive performances in, in Europe against opposition that comparing to we've seen players like uh, Kevin Doyle and Shane Long leave from Cork, Seamus Coleman mm. leave from Sligoers to go to England, that now these potential European oppositions could be looking at uh, taking players from the league at a at a heavily discounted price. Well, see, look, the problem is we're we're held at a ransom. You look, there's too many clubs that are living day to day in this in this country. There's, they haven't got the finances, the budget, maybe a whole twelve months or twenty four months. So any money that comes in, whether from transfers or from unexpected sort of revenue, clubs have to take it. They're not in a position to, to to decline an offer. Plus, the player might want to go because you know the salary is bigger, bigger league, bigger chance of making a bigger name. Like for example, for me. If I was Cork City chairman or you know involved in that board, I would have to sit down with Greg Bodger and give him a new deal, tie him down to two years, give him the money he deserves. Because that's the way it is. You 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 put in top performers, you you have to reflect in in your um in your value. So we're paying, we're underpaying players. We're paying players 40, 40 weeks a year. It's part time potentially to a certain degree, and these clubs are willing to pay you fifty two weeks a year and good money. So, you know, you have to look from both sides and that's the difference where we fall down because, you know, the last few years the league got better for sure, but the finances aren't there to keep the top players. And if top players are performing like that, like Greg did yesterday, like, you know, Sean McGuire, Gary Morris, I think you can name nearly all the players in fairness because they all thought they were excellent. If big clubs come in, you can't refuse. It's just, it's just unless you have the finances in place, unless you have that power to keep the players there, then no club in this country can refuse. Looking ahead to next week, and obviously the game is still very much alive, which is which is what John Caulfield would have wanted going into the game in Turner's Cross. There's already been a win over Hacken. There's been another brilliant performance against Linfield. You've played in many of these European nights in Turner's Cross, mm-hmm. and compared to other grounds in the League of Ireland, Turner's Cross seems to have this mystique in a way when it comes to European nights. What exactly is so special about playing in front of the shed and in front of the Cork fans in a European match? I suppose... Being honest, I mean, because we're from Cork, the majority of players in that team are from Cork. You, there's a sense of pride and a sense of belonging because it is your city. And I think the fans come out in numbers. You know, it's the biggest supporter club in the in country. You know, you're not getting two or three thousand. Again, they'll probably get seven or eight. They'll probably fill the capacity on Thursday against the top quality side. And that's what that's what you need and that's what you want as a player. You want to come out and tennis full. You know, atmosphere is fantastic. And in fairness, Cork fans, they get behind you no matter what to do if you're losing. You know, as long as you're putting the effort in and, and they can see that you're willing to, to give everything, they're going to support you. And I think you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic venue. Because it's so tight as well, and these European teams don't, ex- don't expect or are not used to sort of intimidating ground where the fans are right on top of you. you know, it's not a big 25,000 stadium. It's compact, it's, it's, it's intense, and the pitch is narrow, and you can get amongst players. You know, they haven't got their space and freedom because big pitches and... I think that's going to definitely favour Cork uh, come towards. It's going to be very difficult, but who knows, you know. I mean, I'm performance last night. I think they should be very um, optimistic. You've mentioned there about uh, about how you think how difficult it will be, but I suppose the danger next week is that if Genk get a goal on the counter-attack or even an early goal, Cork need three to yeah. advance. So do you think there is a realistic chance there of them reaching the next round? Well, look, i have been honest on, on last night's performance. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know... Th- there's no doubt you're going to have to watch their, their danger. I mean, you, you're not going to be able to give them a chance to to show that quality. Um, the one good thing, I suppose, for Cork is, is the, as I said, the pitch is narrow. It's not, it's not a big pitch. There won't be a big expansive space for you know the big players like like, like uh, Young Bailey to run in behind the full-backs and create that width and depth that they want. So 
keep for me definitely Corky and I think they'll notice themselves keep it tight don't give anything silly away you know set pieces and again maybe hitting a counter attack like yourselves because I think definitely I saw Dooley and Maguire had enough pace and enough about them against last night against King that they could easily cause a problem themselves so I think it's real, I do I genuinely think it's realistic and I'm not just saying that because uh, you know I'm Corky fan I think genuinely think they've got a good chance and finally, Joe, just looking back to uh, domestic matters, the draw for the FAI Cup third round came out today and Cork have been drawn away to, uh, to Longford Town. I suppose that's a tie that holds a lot of memories for you, especially with the Cup final in the RDS. That's right, yeah. That's, that's, I think it was nine years ago. I think it was, um, yeah, it was uh, great great for us to to win the FAI Cup. I think we lost it two years previous that and uh, when we went for the doubles, they had to beat us. Um, so we were determined to win that game. And uh, I think it was, uh, it was in the RDS, as I said. So it was uh, no, it was a special moment, and uh, it was one that uh, I found memories of. Have you ever dried off in that game? Because I was at it myself, and it was possibly the coldest, most wettest day I've yeah. ever been at in a football game in my life. That was, do you know what? No, actually, to be honest, the, the draw had one two years before was the coldest. But the fact that that day was definitely wet and cold. I remember uh, my girlfriend at the time, no, my wife was there. And, I think that was the, the first game and maybe her last game she ever went to as well. <laughs> well Joe, well, on, on that note, we'll leave it at that. Thanks very much for joining us this afternoon. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you. And now, lads, it's back to you. Yeah, elsewhere in the league, uh, on top of all that, uh, results uh, not going so well for Bowes at the minute, losing 1-0 at home to Derry City. We've got Pat Fennel on that momentarily. Uh, also, Goey being Wexford 4-2 and Longford twice coming from the dead to draw 2-2 at Sligo Rovers. We'll have reaction from Dave Robertson as well on the way. Yes, Damien Lynch to come on Dundalk soon. But first, in a turn of events, in a surprise, because this is showbiz and you've got to shake things up, sometimes for no reason. Not that we've ever done that in News Talk. No. Here is one of Ireland's finest voiceover artists. And though, wait a minute, he wasn't available. Here's Richie with the roundup. And you're just looking at that and you think maybe they have an away goal in them as well when they come to to Dublin instead of Dundalk. And I think that will be an advantage to them as well and a bit of a disadvantage to Dundalk. I think they prefer to play the Memorial, tight pitch, yeah. big crowd supporting them, you know, and being able to get after them a little bit more, you know. They, they are a good team. If Dundalk can overturn this and put them out of competition, it'd be a fantastic result for them. Pat Fennel there talking to Off the Ball about Dundalk's loss to Bate Borisov. Dundalk defender Brian Gartland, he's out injured at the moment and he spoke to Air Sport about how difficult playing in these games can be. They know they can play better than they did today. Um, defensively, I thought the shape was good, like I said before at times. A bit sloppy with the ball, but... It, it's it's so easy from here to talk. When you're like, I was there last year. When you're in that arena and you're different story on the pitch, you know the game's a million miles an hour. Be disappointed with our ball retention and lack of chances, maybe. But we're still in the tie. You know, we bring them to Tallow now next week and hopefully with good support behind us and we get a bit more bit more attacking into us. Now there was actual league action for us to talk about on this the SSE or Tristy League podcast would you believe and one of those games was Derry City's 1-0 win over Bohemians. That win leaves the Candy Stripes three points behind second place Cork City. Fenlon assesses that match and why he thinks Bows are struggling this season. It was a poor game um, overall the game both teams Derry probably definitely deserved to win the game I thought right. Bows dropped off them completely in the first half and let Derry play out from the back. Um, there, was not much, there wasn't much intensity to 
it. No, the, I was on the pitch as well. The grass was a bit long. It was dry. Not making excuses for the players. There was no one at the game. It's very disappointing. On the back of the week we've had with the results in Europe, the crowd was very poor. Yeah, nobody it's, from Derry there at all, mate. It's a, it's a pity, isn't it, that we had the week we had, and Irish football was making the back pages. Yeah, and look, properly, it, it and makes a it big difference for players. You're coming out and the place is flat and it's empty, and like yeah. I said, the pitch is sticky, and and you, you're thinking, come on, you, there's no atmosphere in the game. And it's difficult, like I said, not making excuses. It's difficult for players to get going on that, and Bowes never got going on the back of a defeat by Rovers where they would have been devastated over that they had two hard friendlies as well thrown in on top of that over the last cup they looked a little bit flat going into the game mm. second half they got about Derry a little bit more and made them kick the ball and funny enough Bowes probably for all the possession and good play Derry had at times they didn't create loads of chances right. and Bowes had two great chances I think in fairness to Keith I think he did a great job there last year I think they probably overachieved a little bit and you know Bowes is a big club but still with expectancy even though the supporters have been really good with them and patient with them you know and, and that you can see that creeping in the expectancy of, of doing better again and mm. I think it maybe just needs a little bit of freshening up now for Keith. I think he's done a really good job there like I said but I think he needs a hand now maybe to bring in one or two players to try and make them a little bit stronger because they're not a bad side I think they get everybody fit they missed, for me Lockham Fitzgerald's a big miss for him because delivery yeah. set piece he's very good and he's a good left back as well and Keith Buckley was suspended who gives them that little bit of a tempo so what when, kind of when they're missing they one that? or two players they need someone that's going to get you know they, they Akinade for me looks like he needs someone that's going to play closer to him that can get beyond them at times because right. what he does really well he wins a lot of stuff in the air he holds it up and he needs people running off him I didn't think they had that on, on Friday and I think mm. that's something they could look at where whether they, they they look to play someone up with him or someone that can play off him with a bit of pace yeah. Yeah, but I think they're probably now they haven't scored a lot of goals and they're crying out for, for a little bit of pace in the team I think at the top end of the pitch now, Sligo Rovers have a North West Derby with Derry this Friday at the showgrounds and manager Dave Robertson wasn't too happy last week when they let slip the lead twice in a 2 all draw away to bottom side Longford Phil Roberts scored a cracker of a free kick and Robertson told the Sligo Rovers website that's not a surprise first though his actual reaction to the result disappointing defence error from a set piece we spoke about Longford's threat from um, from set from set plays um, anyone would have seen obviously when we do our analysis and you you look back at their recent goals and you know the three that they scored against Dundalk will come from all come from set pieces and corners so it was just a lack of concentration at the front post it should have been dealt with um, we've dealt with that and um, you know with, with the players and listen, we'll move on it's pointless killing them it's a it's an honest mistake um then Phil Roberts practices his free kicks day in, day out, religiously. 15 minutes as soon as training finishes, out come the mannequins and Phil's there. So it was no surprise um, that, that we then go 2-1 up when, I, when we get that free kick on the edge of the area. I have to say I felt that there could have been one or two more um, free kicks on the edge of the area, but there was a reluctance to give them. And, um, you know, Gaz, to be fair, he's a... He's a young lad learning, so I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to destroy him. Uh, he knows he's made a mistake as he tries to clear it. It falls in the, in the path of their centre forward, and he, and he puts it away. So, to take the lead on two occasions, especially away from home, and not come away for, with three points, is is probably my biggest disappointment this evening. Um, but you know, we need to get ready for the Derry game now on Friday. There you go. Voice over work for free for this thing, which is, you know, I'm not saying you're not going to pay for this, are you? If you love something, yeah. you'll never look for money or any other form of reward. There's no love here. Not for you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's all coming out in the wash now. I thought you it? just loved the league and you put up with me. I 100% do. Kind of like, you know, 
kind of like we're the old couple and the league are the kids and we're just together for the kids as the excuse goes for many Irish couples who just let's, let's be honest just cannot be arsed leaving each other because it is so much hassle that is probably the most astute summation of this podcast that anyone will ever come up with and it's almost a shame that somebody hasn't done it independently instead it's just it's one of us who's realised that this marriage is a loveless one but the kids you know what they need some guidance no together. no 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 we're using that as an excuse we just can't actually be bothered to separate because that's a lot of hassle you've got to find a new place and the market is horrible you have to separate assets if you own a home together that's Jesus that's terrible that's an awful pain in the hole you probably have to get legal teams involved you know if you're to do it properly and cleanly so you know we'll obviously contribute towards the kids this is turning into league. this is turning into Simon Bates's our tune from BBC Radio 1 from I think it was like the 80s okay radio nerd I don't know what you're talking whereby about whereby he'd start reading out a letter where he's like Marie then realised that the marriage was a loveless one oh Gareth O'Callaghan sa- used to have an item yes. like that I'm not accusing Gareth of ripping him off yeah they used to read out those sob letters where it's like oh she then realised that the marriage was a loveless one <laughs> but, to, but decided that due to the hassle of going out in the singles market again and splitting up his assets that they'd stay together for the sake of as they put it at the time the kids Oshin's now 46 and decided to move on with his life and both he and his ex-partner are in a happier place. But he'll always remember those happy times they spent in Tremor Beach as teenagers, carefree, new in their young love. Okay, well, first of all... Here's Van Morrison's Bremai girl. Okay, well, first of all, a lot of stuff wrong with that. I would never select a Van Morrison song as a love song because every time he references love on one of those songs, he's referencing God, not romance. Maybe he actually was referencing a brown-eyed girl in that. I don't know. I have a separate the, theory on brown-eyed girl, which I don't lyrics. think we can go into even in a podcast. Really? Mm. Wow. Oh, okay. Let's move off that point. Secondly, Ardmore Beach, not Tramore Beach. God. And Westside. We don't like those guys from the east. There you it's go. It's like the, the Westside, Eastside, West Coast, East Coast gang rap situation in America. Not only is he a loveless parent in this podcast marriage, he is also the podcast version of TQ. The 90s rapper. No, I have lots of love, just none of it's for you. Uh, this has taken a very dark turn. It has. Uh, speaking of dark turns, Dundalk were away in uh, Borisov uh, last night. They lost 1 0 away to the Belarusian champions. That means they'll have to overturn that deficit back in Tala Stadium and not Oriel Park for the second leg next week. That's right, because Tala obviously meets the criteria for the third qualifying round whereas Oriel Park does not Damien Lynch was part of the coverage for Air Sport uh, by the way he's going to be doing Cork City against Genk for them as well the first leg in Belgium uh, if you are listening later in the week you already know that though because you've already seen it and we've already covered it earlier in the podcast anyway uh, I spoke to Damien about the fact that they were outclassed by Bate but the tie is still alive given that they only lost 1-0 that's the important thing yeah, still in the tie, uh, an exceptionally good team, Bate. I think in the lead-up to the game, I think even last year, it was a close uh, result in terms of the scoreline, but I think everyone left the game last year thinking that it was something that the dock left behind, and I think Bate probably were just a little bit short last year in terms of their overall quality. But in terms of this year, like they were excellent last night, and, and I think Dundalk are very lucky just to have conceded one. Um, from the first 10 minutes in, 20 minutes in, there was just a r- relentless pressure. And then to get to half-time without conceding, you're thinking, Grace, um, you know, that that's half the battle. But uh, it, they just couldn't hold out. And I think the disappointing thing in the end from a Stephen Kenny perspective was 
with all the pressure that um, that Bate had, they never really had that clear-cut chance that said they should have scored, should have scored. Um, but then it was a mistake that, that actually caused the goal. Someone trying to play out from the back. Uh, Gannon opened up his body, probably a little bit conscious that they hadn't kept the ball all night. Uh, Hleb cuts it off, and then they were just so quick in the transition of play to finish it off. So I think overall, I think Stephen Kenny will be disappointed with the performance, but I think he can be very happy with the, the sort of spirit and the defensive performance in terms of they just put their bodies on the line. And it really does, like there's still a lot left in this tie. Um, it'll be interesting to see how bad they travel. Stephen Kenny will be very frustrated with Gannon's mistake because he even said it before the game, we can't give the ball away. Last year we made mistakes, we were punished. And this year they made a couple of mistakes, they were punished. Let's just maybe sympathise with Gannon for a second because, like you say, he was trying to play football, he was trying to do the right thing and he was doing it when he was absolutely jaded and absolutely surrounded. It's easy to say now he should have just banged it down the park, safety first and all that, but he was just trying to do what Dundalk do, play ball, find the right option. He was, and I actually think Gannon was one part of the problem, but not necessarily he's the sole problem. Because if you look at the angle Mountney takes up, and you actually Chris Shields um, as well, the two of them actually stood behind players instead of actually making a two, three yard dash out. To, to give uh, Gannon an angle to pass the ball to them. Um, certainly there was fatigue in there. It was coming towards the, the, the latter part of the game. Uh, in that instance, he probably should have just wrapped his foot around and put it in the corner like they had done a lot, a lot of the night. But it's not just his fault. It was, it was certainly, um, as a team, uh, they didn't show to make the angle, to make the pass easier for him. But interesting, Ocean, when you were watching the game, all the build-up play that, uh, that Batty had was kind of the Dundalk players were behind the ball. You had two banks of four, sometimes a four and a five, and just leaving McMillan up top. And as a player and as a manager, you're actually happy with that. And you're, there was a couple of long ranges from 30 yards where you're kind of going, you know what, if they score from 30 yards, we'll, we'll take our hat off them and say, well done. It's that transition of play that's so important, you know. The Dundalk back four were expecting that ball, to, that pass to be completed. So they started to push out instead of actually anticipating the worst. And if you look at where Paddy Barrett was, as soon as they lose the ball and Fleb picks it up, he plays a little one around the corner. But if Paddy Barrett had, had, had anticipated that, he should have been two or three yards across. He could have actually made up the ground a lot quicker. And he ended up sliding instead of, if he'd, if he'd read it a little bit better, he could have got across to it and actually shown the player down the line. So um, it's the transition of play in European football that's, that's everything. Like you, 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 Once you lose the ball, your players are out of position. These sides, they just break with such pace. And uh, it was a hell of a finish from Gordachev in the, uh, in the end. And looking forward to next week's second leg in Tala. Obviously, it has to be played there because Oriel Park isn't up to standard for this stage of the competition. Dundalk are capable of creating chances against these guys. Daryl Horgan did very well at times last night towards the end of the game. He was totally out of puff, but he was still charging forward and beating his men. And defensively, they looked in a good shape. They looked very organised. So those are things that they can take positives from ahead of next week. They can, and I think if you look at Robbie Benson's chance in the first half, they broke down the left-hand side with Horgan. Um, it was actually a carbon copy from the goal against FH the, the previous week where Horgan actually uh, sort of outpaced the fullback and pulled it back for Benson. He's a good strike, and the keeper sort of flapped at it. So I think they will get chances. My only worry is the Bate side are excellent on the break. You know, you have uh, Rodinoff up top. If he gets on it, he's, he's likely to, to break quickly, and, and he can get... He's a clinical finisher as well. Um, interestingly for me, once the Bate went to goal up, they actually sat back. And I was chatting to Brian Gartland about this. And I think their coach is quite conservative at times, uh, even last year in, the, in boat legs, where 
you expect them to kick on and really dominate. Um, but for a 10-minute spell after they they scored last night, they actually sat really deep, similar to what other sides do a lot of the time. And Now, Dundalk didn't manage to get uh, their free-flowing football going. But I'd expect Stephen Kenny's team to, to certainly come out next week and to improve dramatically on, on how they keep the ball and how they move the ball. Whether that means personnel changes. Uh, interesting that uh, Stephen brought on Chris Shields. And what was interesting before the game, if you listen to Stephen Kenny's interview, he was saying how he wanted to dominate possession. Um, he expected his players to dominate possession in a game like this. But in hindsight, having started McElhenney, uh, possibly Mountney for me was probably someone who, uh, who's, who should have started. You see Chris Shields coming in there. So it's a bit of a decision that Stephen Kenny has to make. He'll want to go out and put his stamp on the game and, and actually play the free-flowing football. But at the same time, you have to be aware and show a bit of respect to Bate. They're, they're an excellent side and Dundalk were lucky to get with just conceding one last night. I raised the point on News Talk Breakfast today that despite the fact that next game is in Tala, it's actually not that much of a disadvantage to Dundalk. If anything, it, it could actually be better than playing at, or- at, at Oriel Park. Yeah, like the Tala suits them. Listen to Brian Garton last night. He mentioned how um, the pitch in, in Dundalk actually doesn't suit them. Their, they, their away record is phenomenally good, um, with the exception of last night. Even in the league, you look at their away record, it's excellent. I think the pitch will suit them. I think the stadium will suit them. I think there'll be a big travelling support as well. So, no, I don't, th- I don't think that's a disadvantage in any way uh, that it's on in Tala. I think that Stephen Kenny will have his side ready for that. They're familiar with the stadium. They've played there a lot. They've had success in the stadium as well. So a lot of them um, are former Rovers players as well. Exactly. Yeah. So Stephen as well, former Rovers manager. So yeah, like that. That's not an issue for next week. Um, the big issue is how they set up, and I'm really interested to see how Bate approach the game. Do they like come out and will they have as much possession? I, I would suspect they won't uh, have as much possession. Uh, will they play that little bit more defensive? Um, the fact that Gordachev was on the bench last night, starting off, probably showed that the manager wanted to be a little bit more defensive early on and, and when he came on he was certainly a live wire to, to brighten things up um, so a lot, lot will come down to the personnel on both sides next week but I think David McMillan was very isolated last night the guy's on such a good run of form but all the ball that went up to him was he didn't have a chance and uh, he looked absolutely jaded towards the end um, he had a thankless task up there in his own so I think that the midfield three of Dundalk of Stephen O'Donnell, Ronan Finn, and depends on who they play, who, we, who Stephen will play in there, and whether that's Chris Shields or whether it's Robbie Benson um, next week. That's that's such an important thing. They need to get a hold of the game in the middle of the park, which I felt they didn't do last night. Um, and then can they get Daryl Horgan in, in threatening positions and give him a better opportunity to go at the Bate players? Uh, it's an intriguing toy, Oshin. It, it's very hard to call. Like. I would say Bate obviously are, are strong favourites, but um, things can change very quickly in, in European uh, games. Sides can can travel quite poorly. Um, the only thing with the pitch, you, you did mention Oriel there, the pitch. I, I'd imagine when Bate turned up in Oriel last year, they were kind of going, oh, here, what sort of stadium is this? And, and that can have a, a mental um, impact on them. So Tal is quite a nice stadium by uh, League of Ireland standards, uh, to, which is slightly disappointing. Maybe they can sort of wreck the dressing rooms or something or to make them a little <laughs> bit uncomfortable. I want to talk to you about something Brian Gartland said. He said that people don't really get how tiring these games are and how towards the end of these matches you're really just hanging on in there. Does that have an effect on Dundalk's preparation either positively or negatively can they recover for next week I mean you've obviously done the European thing and you've you know experienced the turnaround from one leg to the next how difficult is it and what effect will it have on the second leg like when Brian's referenced last night I think it's so tiring when you're 
when you don't have the ball um, to to get a defensive shape and to get into positions, it like it is just exhausting at times. Um, Dundalk are an exceptionally fit team. Like I don't think that's going to have any impact on next week. I just think once if if you let the other side get on top in a European game and they get going and they, it's free flowing football, it just mentally it can be draining for you. And that's where even last night they did Dundalk done really well defensively and they got a lot of bodies around there. But it's just that little bit of fatigue that just sets in. You're in the wrong position. You're not your body angle's wrong. You're not actually. Uh, like moving that two yards that you need to move when the ball goes back, can you get the, get up another five or six yards? Um, so it is, it's just pure fatigue. And going back to the point on Brian Garland, I actually think Dundalk really missed him last night. I think when you look at Dundalk over the last number of years, Gartland and Boyle have been the catalyst for me of, of why they've done so well. Uh, like it's all about, football's all about partnerships. You look at um, Paddy Barrett did okay last night in there. He, he did he did a decent enough job. But I think if you if you Boyle and Gartland together, it actually consolidates the team and the two of them will be that little bit more vocal to help Sean Gannon who's not overly experienced you've Damon Massey with a lot of experience but just little partnerships are so important I thought Gannon and uh, McElhenney struggled in the first half whereas when Mountney and Gannon were on the on the right hand side in the second half they did well so I think I think um, Garton was a huge loss last night um, but he's a threat from set pieces as well isn't he? he yeah he's a threat from set pieces like he's a leader in there which is someone that's done really well for them but um, to get back to his point on tiredness yeah it's just it's relentless in terms of your your body you, you, uh, physically you get tired but it's more the mental side of things it's that one or two second split second decision you have to make and I think Gannon's mistake was purely down to uh, mental fatigue rather than anything physical Um that last night, but will that affect the next leg? If Dundalk come out and have a good first 20 minutes, it can have a really positive impact because you can feel you can actually feel like you have more energy in there. Um, but watching the game last night, I've certainly been playing in European football on occasions where your legs are just absolutely shattered mentally. You're saying to yourself, just switch on for the last 10 minutes to get through this and, and get get to, get to the second leg. So uh, it's a tough task, but no better man than Stephen Kenny and getting them ready mentally for this because he'll actually feel he has a, he has a point to prove for next week. I want to talk to you about players who stand out in these games. Stephen O'Donnell and Daryl Horgan, I suppose, jumped to mind from last night. Do we really see their quality in these kind of games? Is this the true test? And I suppose the second part of that question is, if we see it, then scouts see it. And these guys are kind of opening themselves up to potential moves. Yeah, I was chatting in afterwards about um, with a couple of lads about the game. And we're saying... If, if, the, if, if, or if the League of Ireland team in Europe had a player who's able to get on the ball and pass the ball and actually dictate uh, the pace of these games, he wouldn't be playing in the League of Ireland. Um, and that's just the sad truth of, of where we are. I think Stevie O'Donnell did well. He's very ex- experienced in there. Um, Daryl Horgan, you, yeah, you can measure the guy at this, uh, at this level and just see how good he is. But I think when you look at last night's game, Daryl Horgan not playing, like having as much of an impact in the game. It's not down to Daryl Horgan, it's down to Dundalk as a whole. When you look at the uh, the FH game, Horgan was was instrumental. Um, Dundalk went through long passages of play where they were the dominant team. And you can just see how good Daryl Horgan is there. So certainly you can measure um, how good players are at this level and just to see just to see what level they are. But being perfectly honest, and this isn't a, a, a criticism of Dundalk, I think looking at the game last night, Bate are a class, uh, a class act and it was a step up for, for the majority, if not all the players in Dundalk. And, um, I, I really don't mean that in a disrespectful way to them, um, but you're playing against a, t- a side who have played Champions League football for the last number of years. Uh, it's always going to be difficult and 
did anyone really stand out last night from a Dundalk perspective to say that they were excellent or that they really were playing at that level I think collectively as a team they did okay uh, defensively to do well but on an attacking perspective I don't think anyone jumped out to say that, you, that, that, that a scout would say last night my god they're an unbelievably good player yeah, I'm picking out the Galway lads as well in the shape of O'Donnell and uh, Horgan. Just before I let you go, Damien, I, I know you're working on the Cork City game this Thursday night for Air Sport. If people are listening to this uh, before that match, this is obviously the version you're listening to. But afterwards, we'll be re-releasing this, a director's cut version, looking back on the Cork City game. Uh, so, Damien, how do you think that's going to go? Cork City away to Genk of Belgium. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I think Cork done exceptionally well to get through. I think they rode their luck a little bit by all accounts. Now, I didn't see the game. I think I, I, um, the interners cross. You heard my biased report, no doubt. I've I heard your biased report. I was just to say, Ocean, you were you were probably a better man to to discuss that. But um, in terms of, I, I think they they were slightly lucky at times. But listen, luck luck doesn't come into it. If if you get through, you deserve it. And um, I just think there's a there's an air of like. There's not, nothing to fear, you know. Why don't you go and just enjoy it? You've qualified to another round. The club has done well out of it. And I think in, in John Caulfield, you have a hugely experienced manager who's going to say, I'd imagine the conversation in the dressing room is, lads, like this is a once-in-a-lifetime once in opportunity. Just go out and enjoy it. Um, get what you can out of the game. Don't do anything silly. Like The one thing you look back at European games, even when I look back at the ones I played in, how did you like on a personal level? On a personal level, how did you do in the game? Like, did you actually do well? Did you, were you composed? Did you make any bad mistakes? And, and if you can say like you played well, you were composed, you played up to the level you, you can't play at, and you didn't make any obvious mistakes, that that's the most important thing from a player's perspective. In, in terms of Cork, I think it's going to be a very tough draw. Um, in terms of trying to get through, will they do it? It will take a lot of hard work, um, possibly a little bit of luck to get through the toy. So I think, the fa- um, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not. Uh, it's more a merchant of doom than, than anything here. But I think it's, a, it's an uphill battle for for John Caulfield's side. But you never know. They've, the, the, I'm sure they can they can try and pull something off. And I don't think I'm being negative or being a cheerleader by saying they really are in bonus territory. So no matter what they do from here, it's kind of no, no lose. No, and that's it. So that can have a real impact on um, on players. You know, you really, it's kind of a free swing of things. Um, have a go at it. And if you can get, if this Cork side, we saw them play Dundalk this year um, in Turner's Cross. I was hugely impressed with them in terms of their free-flowing football. It's something that, um, like if Greg Bulger in the park now, which probably what Cork have lacked over the last number of years. And, and I think Greg was suited to European football. To go back to your point, what sort of players can play at this level? And do you see who's good? I think... Um, He's key for them, but they've got they've got match winners all over the park now. They've got some skillful players, so I think I think European football will suit them. And if they can go out and play without without any freedom, we saw UCD do it last year. They just went out and had a go, um, get the ball down, move it quickly. Like Turner's Cross is a tough place to come back to um, for any team, and, and if they can keep everything alive until Turner's Cross, like that's huge. That 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 could be massive for Cork. Damien Lynch, thanks for joining us on the SSE Electricity League podcast here on News Talk and uh, best of luck on Air Sports on Thursday night. Uh, you'll be part of the team bringing us live coverage of Genk against Cork City in the Europa League. Cheers, Oshin. It's intermission time. We're happy to have you with us tonight and hope you'll come back often. Fixtures this week. Uh, on Friday night, Bray taking on Shamrock Rovers, Sligo up against Derry, Finn Harps up against Wexford in the first division. Limerick play Shelburne, Drogheda play, play Cabin Teeley, 
UCD are up against Athlone and Waterford United take on Cove Ramblers on Saturday in the Premier Division Longford Town host Galway United at 7.30 Longford desperately need a win got a draw last week against Sligo they're three points behind Wexford Longford bottom Sligo kind of floating in that in-betweeny bit of the table they're on 24 points two behind Galway who are just behind fourth place Shamrock Rovers on 32 then a bit of a gap to Derry City who are third on 37 but they've two games more played than Cork City who are second on 40 Dundalk top on 46 but they have one more game played than Cork City have I filled out in enough time for you I've forgotten what a globetrotter Dominic Foley was he was, he, really a bra- was. he was a braga before he came back to Bowes that's right in Portugal yeah in Portugal yeah and then he was at Ghent for four years and then he had three years at Circle Bruges the other Bruges team now can I read you a tweet which really caught my eye this week yeah uh, dear 2800 people who are in Richmond Park tonight please come back it helps that's from St. Patrick's athletic goalkeeper Brendan Clark who urges the fans to keep going two games and to make it a habit. I saw that on the back of the Suns League of Ireland pullout, and I think that is my League of Ireland tweet of the week. It's even better than some of my own. That's a new thing, by the way, we're doing wow. tweet of the week. All right, we're about, what, 15 episodes into this thing? Yes. We've introduced a new feature. I think that's a sign of growth. Uh, thank you so much for listening again this week. We'll be back with more. Until next time, it's a ta ta from me, and by the way, you are absolutely right. If you're not in Europe, we don't care about you. Minnows. Oh, wait, that means Bowser. Ha! <laughs>